baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. time on vet story let's face it airplane bathrooms are too damn small uh, to, to transfer from that point onto where the toilet is which is usually against the wall on the bed it's impossible personally it's a phobia of mine but i can tell you it's a very uncomforting feeling knowing that you're you're there and if anything happens um it's not only humiliating but very embarrassing you've got these guys that have served in some of the worst combat we're talking 30 years ago, uh, they, they started something that they haven't completed. Where do we go from here? Welcome to Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs, and as you've guessed by now, this week we're talking about airplane bathrooms. And we'll meet the Navy veteran who's getting ready to do something about it. He's had enough of the small bathrooms, but let's face it, even those of us with all of our abilities find too small. But for those in a wheelchair... They're an absolute nightmare. My name is Tom Wheaton, and I'm the National Treasurer for the Paralyzed Veterans of America. Real quick, tell me a little bit about your history, just a little biographical note. Sure. Uh, 30 years ago, I was on the USS Fort McHenry in Perth, Australia. I got paralyzed out there. I was pedestrian in an auto accident. Um, and since that time, got involved with wheelchair sports, got married, have a couple of lovely kids who are still school-aged, and uh, have enjoyed serving PVA in many capacities over those years, uh, the last five years as National Treasurer. Outstanding. Uh, what was your MOS, or what, what was your rate? You say you're Navy, so I'm, I, I'm a fellow right. shipmate as well. Mm-hmm. I, was on, I was on the carrier Stennis. Well, I'll tell you, I was just a basic deck seaman. Uh, there was a sea college program in the mid-'80s. They doubled the GI Bill for you, but you had to be a deck seaman, airman, or fireman. Um, I was hoping to be a, a dispersing clerk back then. So ironically, 30 years later, I'm the National Treasurer. So it's nice that I'm, I'm doing that now, but I didn't back then. It's kind of come full circle for you. You wanted to be a dispersing clerk on a Navy ship, and well, now you're in charge of disbursements for a significantly powerful arm of a veteran service organization. That That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I got to say, you know what? I, I was just recently traveling. I took a flight from Myrtle Beach to Philadelphia, and uh, it wasn't that long of a flight. It wasn't that big of a pain or a big, big of a sacrifice for me. But when I saw the headline of this article from Inc.com, I, I have to admit, it spoke to me. <laughs> it said, your new hero, disabled U.S. veterans were suing airlines over bathrooms. And I absolutely loved where this article went. To quote the front end of the article, it said, airplanes are getting more cramped and the bathrooms are getting smaller, like teeny tiny ones on American Airlines 737 MAX planes. But if a disabled U.S. veteran who is suing the U.S. Department of Transportation has any success, airline passengers everywhere might just have a new hero. And I got to tell you, as I watched a guy fumbling trying to get into the bathroom on this short flight I took from Myrtle Beach to Philly, I I think you're headed in the right direction. And it's definitely something America needs. How did this all get started and how did you first get involved? Well, I just recently got involved with, with this lawsuit, but I can tell you, our organization, the Paralyzed Veterans of America, they, 
they've been at, at this since uh, the Air Carriers Act back in 1986. Uh, which actually was a victory for our organization back then. And so there's been promise amongst promise to say we're going to get regulations for single-aisle planes. Uh, the years and decades go by. Nothing happens. And it was this time last year that the DOT said, hey, we're going to issue regulations. That was their deadline. They missed the deadline and said, we're going to wait till 2019 to maybe even discuss it. So our lawsuit's saying, listen, uh, enough's enough. Um, we we're not going to wait more decades for this to happen. So are really pressing them to, you know, stand up to their own ideals. Now, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to the day of, I don't know, hair bands and swatch watches, 1986. And you say there's there was a law at the time saying that airplanes had to have large enough bathrooms for, let's just say, uh, reasonable-sized human beings to use them. Is that kind of where, where this all started? Yes, and as a matter of fact, they did issue regulations for two aisle planes. So for some of those larger aircrafts, they do need to have that, and they, they've they've put that in force. So so that was nice, but they've completely disregarded the single aisle airplanes, and that's I think ninety percent of what most people fly these days. So that that's the issue that we want to make sure that this is such a huge dignity issue for anyone with uh, you know mobility limitations. We want to make sure that. Uh, they somehow make this right. Yeah, because when you think about flying, um, you know, I I don't fly a lot, but, you know, I do fly some of the, what I call, or what you've just called single aisle airplanes. I mean, I fly Southwest, JetBlue, Allegiant. Mm -hmm. I mean, those kinds of little quick hop flights between cities. Um, and you're saying the majority of air travel in the country today is on single aisle airplanes? Well, that, and that's been my experience, uh, with the exception of some, some larger international flights. I can tell you when I used to play sled hockey in the 1990s, I'd end up going to Norway, and uh, th there was an opportunity for me to uh, to go to the bathroom on that six or seven hour flight. For these flights, especially if they're on the west coast going to east coast, and that's a five hour flight, it's very difficult to regulate your fluids and to make sure that you're squared away um, before you, you get on that plane. Because if you're disabled, you're stuck in the seat, um, not only for the time of the flight, but also for the half hour prior because they board you before everybody else, and you wait until everyone uh, deplanes before you leave. So there's some extra time involved. And if you happen to have a connection, then that's a bigger issue, because if you only have a half hour in between to wheel to get to the bathroom, nine times out of ten, there'll be a business travel you know, changing the clothes, his clothes in the accessible stall. So um, it, it, it creates a lot of problems. Mm. Talk to me a little bit without getting too specific or, you know, without getting too embarrassing, but the, but the indignity, you know, the damn problem that it has, you got to use lavatory. What is it about the lavatories currently? Um, obviously they're too small, but kind of walk me through that, like too small to get the chair in or just enough space to get the chair in and then not enough room within the stall to move properly to access the lavatory. Yeah, it's all of the above. I mean, there, there's uh, if they had a inboard little wheelchair to wheel you up uh, to to transfer from that point onto where the toilet is, which is usually against the wall. I mean, that's that's extremely difficult and impossible for most people, uh, my peers and myself. Um, but for anybody who's able-bodied, um, that is only a 24 by 24 inch uh, you know cube unit, um, and it's very difficult for most people to navigate there without uh, uh, some discomfort. And then, of course, there's the other discomforts that because they have not made these provisions, 
you've got discomfort in your own way because what are you like not eating or something before you go on the plane or you're you know if you have a longer flight like you can't drink anything before you go because god forbid you actually have to use the lavatory while you're on the plane yeah i mean there the, it's a pho- personally it's a phobia of mine that the first five minutes on that plane once i'm out of my wheelchair uh, out of the support comfort that i'm used to i'm stuck i'm seat belted in and i'm just trusting that there's no issues um I can tell you it's a very uncomforting feeling knowing that you're you're there. And if anything happens, um, it's not only humiliating but very embarrassing. It's happened to me once. Um, so I do a lot of praying and uh, and hoping that uh, everything um, stays, you know, comfortable. I take a lot of deep breaths. And I know that there are droves of my peers out there that do the same. Yeah, and let's look at some of your peers even. You know, you've got service members, um, you know, like yourself, you're a proud Navy veteran. You've got these guys that have served in some of the worst combat for the freedoms that we enjoy to keep the air safe for us to fly in. And these guys who've had some battle-scarred injuries also suffer the same indignity that you do. I mean, that's just an insult. I mean, that's an insult to veterans everywhere. I agree. So what are we looking forward to doing now? Obviously, we've got a lawsuit on the table here. You're now, it's not so much you versus airlines. It's now you you versus DOT. And essentially what you're saying, look, you made the damn thing back in 86. It said you were going to look into this and you haven't done anything on it, right? So where where, where do we go from here? Well, I, I kind of compare it to the Americans with Disability Act. When they got that approved in 1990, my life changed. I can go to a sporting event and I don't have to see a, a bunch of behinds when there's a big plague, because now I can actually have sight lines, the same thing with movie theaters, uh, curb cuts. There's so many things that have happened. So when they enact the law, things happen, even though that's not perfect. The same thing needs to pl- apply here. That you know, We're talking 30 years ago. Uh, they, they started something that they haven't completed, and we're saying it's, it's now time for the Trump administration to, to make it right, put the regulations in place, and stop stalling. What's the last correspondence or what's the last conversation you had with them look like or feel like? I mean, have you emailed on this lately or is this just something that's going to be suspended in legal oblivion for a long time? Um, well, that's tough to tell. I personally have not done that. Our, our organization and many other advocacy organizations have been working on this tirelessly. And so that's why we've gotten to the point where it's just time for a lawsuit to, to uh, keep them accountable and to keep them moving forward. And specifically, who in the Department of Transportation do we need to flex on? Um, I, I'm actually not familiar with the details on that, except that there is a Secretary of Transportation. Um, I'm guessing that that's where it needs to start. I think that's what the lawsuit, who the lawsuit is against. And uh, But as we know, the administration can put uh, um, a lot of pressure on this. Um, so if, if the Trump administration works on this, it'll get done. If they decide to just bypass that and think that it's not really a big issue, then, then we're going to be in that perpetual, uh, this perpetual issue of uh, lack of dignity for so many people who, who travel. Not the least of which are proud American veterans that have done so much for us. So, um, yeah, I stand with you, brother. That is an incredible cause. Uh, where can I read more about this? Is there something that's being covered by the PVA? Do you currently have articles about this on the website? Um, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with, with, with that right now. I just know that with this press coverage of the Inc. article with uh, USA Today, I think we hit the front page last Wednesday, um, a week ago, uh, but we're starting to get some traction on this, and we understand that there's going to be uh, so, some things happening next spring as well. So press releases, all that stuff is, is, is going to be a part of this here in the coming weeks and months. 
And you can add ConnectingVets.com to that list that's going to give you some coverage on this, and uh, we're going to see what we can do. You know, it's really ironic, too, or coincidental maybe is the better word, but uh, every day I take the subway to work, right? And I get off at the same subway station as droves of employees headed to the Department of Transportation. So uh, maybe I'll just strike up a conversation with one of them on the, you know, on the subway platform as we wait for the train <laughs> and say, hey, anybody, does anyone know the secretary of the DOT? I'd kind of like to have some lunch with the man and uh, see if we can uh, hammer this thing out. Well, one last thing that's kind of disheartening is that as I'm sitting there in my seat on the airplane, I get to see everybody else who can walk and go into the bathroom and know that I don't have that same opportunity myself. That, that's the difference that uh, we're, we're trying to bridge that gap. And that, that, that's happening for everybody that's in this position. Mm. Uh, you're in my heart, man, and uh, I'm pulling for you. Uh, we're going to see what we can do to, you know, wield the mighty pen of journalism and see if we can uh, make a difference. <laughs> well, thank here. you, and I also thank you for coming down to the wheelchair games. I was down there, too. I had a blast, and I can tell you, when you see 600 veterans, who I consider all heroes, uh, going for the gold and reaching out to some of them just getting out of the house for the first time, trying to understand what life's like, that, that that's just congruent with what we're doing here um, on the dignity issue. So I really appreciate you being a part of that as well. Oh, you got it, man. Tom Wheaton, Paralyzed Veterans of America, thank you for sharing your story with us, and uh, here's to keeping up the fight. All right, thanks, Phil. Appreciate the opportunity. As Tom continues his fight to make the skies a little user-friendlier, I'll continue to walk the earth looking for great veteran stories. If you have one, feel free to contact me, Phil, at ConnectingVets.com. If you want to hear more podcasts, that's the same website, ConnectingVets.com. Go under the podcast tab and look for Vet Story. And you can find me sharing my weird interpersonal thoughts on Twitter every day, at PhilBriggsVet. I'll talk to you again next week, where I'll find more great stories from the battlefield to the bar stool. And we'll share them right here on Vet Story. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.